0: Hi, it's John Bernatovich, your host of the HR Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I am joined by Julie Doyle. Julie and I connected through the SHRM community. She's very actively involved within the regional and national SHRM, and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast. I know she has a ton of wisdom and is very well connected in the community. So Julie, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here this morning.
0: Fantastic. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. I really really am thankful to have you on the show. You come very well, um, uh, very well respected and highly regarded. As far as uh, a a true consummate HR professional well connected within our community and I'm excited to hear uh, how our conversation goes and I'm sure our listeners are as well so let's get into it Julie tell those that don't know all about you what you're currently working on these days where you're from and how you got into HR.
1: Okay. Well, first, thank you so much for those kind words. I I appreciate that. That was very kind of you. Um, You know, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been doing HR for a really long time. I didn't start out that way. I started out in business and uh, I was in operations and I was a director of operations and I was really good with the people development piece. And so uh, having responsibility to run businesses. So I knew how important the key was of you know, having the right people and developing them. So I kind of transitioned to HR, went back to school and got an HR degree. Uh, and then I started working and uh, I have really uh, been involved through my career in different industries. And I also got involved early on in my HR career with local SHRM groups. And I worked at the state level as well, as you mentioned. And that has been a big um a big advantage for me and it's been a blessing for me. So I've always been passionate about good HR in organizations because quite frankly in my career I've seen some pretty bad HR and I realized early on what impact good HR could make. So uh, I'm married. I have two daughters and a stepson and a stepdaughter. So there's four of us. They're all adults now. Um, I have two pets, Uh two cats, they're brothers, Fred and George. And you might see Fred over here. He's my office mate. He's laying on my printer. He watches over everything. Uh, And I love to travel. I have one grandson and uh, my husband and I love to travel. So we're always on the go either with work or we combine work and pleasure. So that's just a little bit about me.
0: And I imagine with your backdrop, for those of you just listening in, There's a fair amount of uh, paraphernalia of of the uh, Eiffel Tower. So I assume you've been to Paris and that's one of your favorite spots. I'm just guessing. It's just a guess. It
1: is. It absolutely is. That was a good guess.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Julie, do you mind me digging in for, you said something that really intrigued me here in the beginning about your, your, I've had a couple guests on this season of the podcast who started off their career, not in HR, Mm -hmm. and they were in business and similar. They were effective at, at people management and they liked it. They ran toward it. They enjoyed their interactions. And then I think you described it as you kind of, you kind of got into HR. And I was curious, like you said, you went back to school. Like, tell me a little bit about that transition from an operations role into then becoming an HR professional, why you did it, uh, what the struggles were and, and the impact you'd be able to make.
1: Well, when I decided to go into HR, I had actually uh, stopped Step back from working for about five years. I had a, another child and I was lucky enough that I was in a situation where I could do that. So when I stepped back out of, uh, of working, I thought, what do I wanna do when I go back to work and where can I make an impact? And I knew that what I really loved was the people piece of it and having good uh, human resources practices and the impact that can make on a successful business. So I went back and I got a role in HR and I actually worked in manufacturing And I worked my way up from a no HR function at all, about 85 employees, to 500 employees, $100 million business, and I had an entire HR team. And during that time is when I said, I have to go back to to school and get an HR degree. And I got the HR degree. I got my HR certification. And the big thing that was helpful for me was I was very passionate about that piece of the business and how it can drive success. And I knew I had to educate myself. I had the business acumen because I had P&L responsibility at a really young age right after I got out of college. And so I really focused on developing, educating, and making an impact.
0: That's awesome. I really, I think that's a cornerstone of the book. Uh, making an impact is one of the pillars. And I, I love that story. That was really cool. And, and HR like a boss doing it is a, is a business person first. It just so happens to practice in the field of HR and, and looks at not just their responsibilities, but a broader sense, a, a kind of a business mindset. Well, Julie, I, I got—I start all my guests out with the same question. Now, for you, I, I switch it up a little bit, and I, I apologize for that, but I'd love to get your feedback, and my, my dog is loving this conversation so far, so I apologize for that. How would you describe the purpose of human resources?
1: Well, the purpose of human resources, I think, is to make sure that we are meeting the needs of our employees and connecting the big picture strategy of the business to them. So every person I believe comes to work to provide for themselves and their family. I do, you do, we all do, right? So if we come to work at a business, we need to understand how what impact we can make on the overall strategy of the business. So why am I here? Why is my work meaningful? What do I do that makes an impact on the bigger picture? And I think if we can connect those by making sure that the employees have what they need and that they are in a position where they can grow and develop and keep their eye on that strategy and we communicate with them, and they have an ability to grow, that everybody's going to win. The business is going to be successful. The employees are going to be successful in their lives and their careers. And that means that your clients, your customers, your service, whatever you're providing is going to be top-notch as well.
0: Wow. So incredibly aligned about the concept of the book and the podcast and what we're trying to do. Uh, you've mentioned making an impact uh, uh, several times, and, and I, I love that perspective. That's really cool. I know. I know many of the, the listeners have been impacted by the the big quit, the great resignation, the great attrition, whatever whatever word we want to slap on, the last year and a half of, you know, people just being in a place. I'm going to say back to how you were when when you left the workforce for a bit to, uh, uh, with 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 uh, that situation and and being out for five years and then making a choice like when I come back, I want to I want to do something different. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to like what what do you think um, are some ways that HR, some strategies, some ideas that they can they can look at this thing of the Great Resignation as an opportunity for improvement, as a place for us in HR to really shine and a focus on the needs of the business.
1: Well, you know, we've had th- this shift because of the pandemic, um, and and like you said, you can call it the Great Resignation or whatever tagline you want to put on it. I kind of call it a reevaluation everybody's reevaluating based on the pandemic because we all had to stop. We all had to stop, we all had to step back. And so people had an opportunity to really think about what they want. And so there's a lot of people who are making changes. They're also changing their expectation of what they want in the work that they do. And so for HR, we have got to realize that this has shifted and we've got to make sure that we're tapping into understanding where that shift is coming from, from individuals, and providing work environments that's going to allow them to feel like they're making an impact, to feel like they have meaningful work, to feel like there's there's an opportunity for them to grow and develop, uh, and, and know that we're going to be looking for people in places that we haven't looked before. I've always been a proponent of really looking at transferable skills, And I think that's because of how I started in business and then I went into HR. It's like I had a lot of transferable skills and I was lucky I was able to do that. And I've gone on to have a very successful HR career, but we need to look at that in our employees too and realize there's people who left the workforce who may not come back. And there's people who left the workforce and are changing their careers. I did it in my career. Uh, and there's many others doing that. So we've really got to look at things differently about what employees want in the places that they work and be able to provide that connection to our overall goals of our business strategy.
0: Yeah, no, it's so cool. I, th- I think one of the things, as you were mentioning that, it reminded me of a recent data point. I don't know who the source is, but they're suggesting that uh, employers are are just forcing their way back to pre-pandemic work environments, meaning this idea of, well, well, fully remote, I think is still somewhat faux pas. This idea of hybrid is kind of the norm and the idea of working in an office 40 hours a week, you know, set, you know, 52 weeks out of the year, et cetera, is, is, is more of the, the a- abnormal, but it seems like employers are trying to get back to this kind of pre-pandemic, let's go back to the way we did business before, because that worked better for me, me being the employer. And I I think that (laughs) I think a lot of employees are bucking that. And I think that's where you say the expectations are changing. The tolerance for working in an environment that feels like so 2020 is not what employer employees want these days, but employers, some of them just don't know any different, right? Right. Do Do you get a sense of that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think that leaders are still struggling a lot with this. And there are some businesses where, you know, people have to be on site. I get that. But there's others where we, you know, this pandemic forced us to think differently. We didn't have a choice. We were we were drug kicking and stre- screaming into where it had been heading for a long time, but we got there really quickly, right? Nobody would have believed we could have re- worked remotely. So I think what we need to do is HR professionals continue to help. Um, Help our leaders understand and have the skills to be able to lead people remotely more effectively and lead teams more effectively remotely so that they don't feel like they have to be in front of them every day because we know that the employees are not wanting that in a lot of cases. Uh, They're wanting some more of that autonomy. They're wanting some of that flexibility because it gives them a little more work-life balance and that has become very important to people.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned leaders and managers. Are there, are there experiences? I mean, you certainly sat in that seat as an operations executive and enjoyed leading people and the interactions with, with humans and other people, your direct reports, I'm sure your colleagues, et cetera, and executive leadership. Are there, are there ways that HR, any strategy suggestions that HR can support those managers and leaders to be as effective as they can be in their role?
1: Yes, I think that we need to focus as HR a lot on our emerging leaders that are coming up so that we can give them training and give them an opportunity to build skills in this leadership area before they're put in that position. Oftentimes they're put in there, they've never been taught to be a leader, right, or understand how it's different from being the ACE employee to now they're leading a team. So that has always been a um an area where I think HR can make a big impact to help provide those opportunities and those guidance and the coaching to make sure they set up the development for their folks in their organization to where they're gonna get that. Um, like I said in, in the last uh, topic, you know, learning how to lead in a remote environment, a team, and to create that team um, keeping that team together and to build the psychological safety that folks have to be able to be their full self when they come to work and also for the managers and the leaders to trust that the work is getting done. We've got to continue down that path. And I think HR really needs to focus on building those competencies in the leaders in their organizations for us to be successful going forward.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I'd love to take just one quick pause in the middle of the podcast to give a plug to our sponsor, Willery, which many of you know is near and dear to my heart. Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources. Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, Bridget, for putting on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Willery is a purpose-driven company, and its purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with its direct hire and temporary staffing business along with providing client-side HR technology support. So if you're in need of some HR tech optimization or you're not getting a return on your investment, or if you're looking for top talent within your HR or payroll department, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, Julie, back to you and what people are here to listen to or is your wisdom on all things HR. So really curious... You, you've you've had a, a unique journey from a business to HR uh, professional and I, I certainly think you've got some some uh, interesting thoughts on suggestions for those that are listening on how to best and most successfully build a career in HR
1: I think that for me, what was successful for me, like I said, is I, I, I was always thought of myself as a business leader. So even if you've been in HR and you, you were not in a biz, business role before, I think that thinking about being a business leader who practices HR is important. Uh, you have to understand the business. You have to understand why you're in business, how you make money how your business grows, because you then are the the key person in helping all of those leaders to provide the employees and the development of those employees to meet the need of the business. So I believe that, you know, working in different industries, learning from everyone, learning from everyone that you come across, you know, be a sponge, ask questions. Sometimes you learn some really great things. Sometimes you learn some things that you know you don't want to do, Right. (laughs) So you can learn from a good leader or you can learn from a bad leader, but always be asking questions and open to learn and make sure you're continuing to develop yourself. The HR profession in the, in the 20 years I've been, been practicing HR, oh my gosh, it has changed light years and especially in the last two and a half to three years, it's changed. So you've got to keep current on what's going on. Legislation has changed. Practices have changed. Workplaces have changed. The business models have changed because of the pandemic. So we need to be able to support that. So always educate yourself and try to work in some different industries and learn from everybody. Even if you're not, uh, if you're in a meeting, listen to what's going on and see what you can learn about the business there.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as to, you mentioned that before, just business leader that just so pra- happens to practice in HR to kind of, you stole the line from the book. So I feel like you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're hopefully gonna love the book when it comes out because it's it's really aligned to what you've shared. But do, do, what do you feel the the gap is between having that mindset, that business mindset, that practices in the field of HR but is focused as a business person, compared to maybe some of the stigma or what others might say about HR professionals that maybe don't feel like they're as connected to the business, uh, maybe they're more compliance centric or whatever the case might be. Do you, you have a, a, a rationale, a theory as to why that is?
1: You know, I have been very passionate about elevating HR my entire career, because I've seen that when I went into HR, that, oh, you're just the compliance police or all the different, we could say all the different things they say about HR, right? Well, I think that's because we need to be business leaders, we need to understand the business, and we need to be human. We can't just be compliance driven. Yes, we have a responsibility to the organization to mitigate risk and make sure that we're going in the right direction. But I think it's how we approach the function of HR and how we become more human and realize we're all human beings here doing the best we can to provide for ourselves and our family, right? So you can't be so rigid and you can't be so rule driven and it it can't be, um, let's make a policy because this person isn't doing it. No, talk to that human being right? And try to work through it. So building the relationships, um, not being completely compliance driven, but looking at the big picture of business and how it connects, and then providing that opportunity for people to come to you and not feel like, and feel like they're going to be heard, right? You don't want to be uh, just the person they come to you when there's a problem, Right. And you don't want You don't want that stigma. I've seen that so much. So I think it's how we look at HR, how we look at our role. And then how do you get the rest of the organization to see you differently, specifically the leadership? That's where it comes into. You've got to know the business. You've got to bring some ideas. And if they have a problem or an issue that they come to you with, you can't just say, no, you can't do that. Say, okay, here's our challenge. Let's see if we can work together to come to another way to arrive at the solution you're looking for instead of just saying, no, you can't do that. It's illegal or no, that's discriminatory. You've got to find ways to work with the leaders of the organization to help them achieve their goals without without approaching it that way.
0: Yeah, taking that collaborative approach is so important and trying to not get the stigma. the, The best explanation I've had that really kind of stuck with me is, don't feel like you're you're the principal's office, HR, right? We all know what it felt like to go to the principal's office. You thought you were in trouble, even when you were getting recognized for something good. I recently had a friend tell me a story about his son got recognized at school and the principal called him on his cell phone. And the principal's first words were, Your son is not in trouble. Everything is okay. I'm calling you to tell you some good news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this idea of the, of that of that stigma is is that what oh, HR's in the room? Who's getting fired?
1: Yeah. And so, you know what I say when I hear that HR is in the room, I got really, my name is Julie. Are you accounting? Are you sales is in the room? Are you marketing's in the room? You're a person, I'm a person, let's just be people together, right? I hate it when I hear that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you you definitely have my one of my favorite books I ever read. Oh, gosh, I'm gonna forget the name of it was about negotiating. And one of the key points the negotiator suggested is humanize yourself immediately by telling the person your name. Mm -hmm. And I recently when Halloween was here, I went to a I went to a haunted house. And instead of being afraid, like the last two thirds, I I told every one of the actors what my name was. And I tried (laughs) to have a conversation with them. I got one person to break out of their role. And I was like, that was the most enjoyable, like 40 minutes of my life. The first 10 minutes, I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, how do I get myself to enjoy this? So I'm going to I'm going to humanize these villain actors or these creepy zombies in this haunted house. And uh, again, again, make it human. I know Steve Brown is a big, I know, you know, Steve, well, if you're, if you're from Cincinnati, I know make putting human back into human resources. I I love that. I love that. And I know it's not easy, like easier said than done. So getting to know people like you and uh, learning from your experiences, which leads me to my next question about the importance of networking. I know you're super well connected into the Ohio Sherm community. If uh, you've been to Ohio Sherm, you know Julie Doyle is my assumption. But I'm just curious as to why, why that meant so much to you and the impact it's had in your career.
1: Well, you know, I I was thinking about this before our call and I think that you know networking is so important because in HR you can sometimes feel alone because you don't really have somebody that you can go talk to in the organization oftentimes. Um, about some of the things that are maybe uh, you're dealing with. So you can feel alone. So I think it's really important to have a network of other HR professionals that you can talk to, right? Because you know a lot of confidential information, and so, et cetera, you can't just go talk to somebody else in your organization oftentimes. So number one, that's important. Number two, I think that, I was thinking about this before, I think just about every position I've ever had was through networking somebody said, you need to talk to Julie. And I can't tell you how powerful that is when you think about it. So building those connections with others, having meaningful connections, and I approach networking is I want to get to know you and how I, in anything that I come across, how I might be able to help you, right? Whether it's in your business or I do a lot of mentoring. Uh, I work a lot with uh, college students. I do a lot of mentoring and so forth. So for me, Networking allowed me to, I was the president of the Cincinnati uh, Human Resource Association, Greater Cincinnati, which is now Cincy Sherm. I was uh, on the state council, or excuse me, the state conference committee. I actually did that for uh, 10 years, and I was the conference chair in 2018. And then I became the state council director, and I'm now the past state council director, so I'm still in that role on the executive board. And I'm the um, alternate MAC rep for the Northeast with SHRM. So I continue to network and and give back to my HR community by volunteering. And that is how I've been able to continue to grow my network. And it has been so beneficial. I know that if I have a a problem or a question, or if I just need somebody to talk to, I can just reach out. I, I know I can. And I'm always looking to try to connect others and help others because that's just who I am. And it's, and that's in this opportunities that I've been giving through the networking. I want to give those back. I want to keep paying it forward.
0: That's awesome. So inspirational. If you, if you learned anything from this podcast, those last two minutes that Julie just shared, what a way to make a difference in people's life and in yourself. And I, I've been involved in the Cleveland Sherm for about 10 years. And I tell any, any new volunteer that comes into the organization, you're going to get out of this, what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And if you just want to be a cursory kind of come to meetings and get the hot, you know, buffet lunch, then so be it. That's your thing. But if you really want to grow your profession by getting to know some really awesome people, volunteer, get involved in a committee, get involved in putting on a conference, and then one thing leads to another, you meet all these great people. And then here you are running the Ohio Sherm and the President's Council and all the stuff you're doing. It's just really, really cool. Thank you for your service, Julie. Uh, The HR community appreciates it.
1: Oh, thank you. I would say to, to your point, I always get back more than I give. More, than, I, I believe if you go into volunteering, number one, you're gonna learn things. You're gonna to get to do things you might not get to do in your paid position. So you're gonna develop and bring those skills back. But whatever I gave, I got back more. And it was because I, get, I did it with a giving heart to try to help others to serve. And I always wound up getting back more than I ever would have imagined.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure others feel that same way about their interactions with you. So thank you, Julie. That's a, an inspiration. And uh, cer- certainly find a way to connect with Julie through LinkedIn and other platforms at, at obviously the Cincinnati Sherm or certainly within the Ohio Sherm or in, in other uh, Sherm related activities because uh, she certainly is a go giver and someone that's going to support you in any way that she can. All right, Julie, talk about go givers. The HR Like a Boss podcast, that's the name of this show we're on. The book is called HR Like a Boss. I get all my guests out of the show on one final question is, how would you describe someone that does HR Like a
1: Boss? (laughs) I think someone who does HR Like a Boss approaches it, like I said in the beginning, realizing that we're all human beings that want to provide for ourselves and our family. So I think that making sure that our decisions that we make And those that we can teach, the leaders that we can teach to make decisions based on three things. Is it good for the employee? It's like a triangle. Is it good for the employee? Is it good for the business, clients, customers, whatever? Is it good for the shareholders? If it's good for all three, then it's a good decision. But if it's weighed more towards one or the other, it's probably not a good decision. Because I think if we can provide that environment where people can grow, develop, feel like they have meaningful work, that our businesses are going to be successful. We're all going to be successful. So that's what I think HR like the boss is.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to add one more uh, point on that triangle, which is is a good for the community. That's one of the challenges I True. have for yes. uh, all business leaders is, again, really important for your employees, your stakeholders, the business but are we making a difference in our community uh, through the time, energy, and effort and resources that are available that, that enterprises and businesses can generate that sometimes are different and, and really can be selfish in that sense as opposed to unselfish. So mm-hmm. I'm on a soapbox. I'm going to get off of it. And I'm going to do a recap. This is going to be a long one because Julie shared so many incredible things on the show. Wow, what, 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 a, what a guest. And thank you for being here. Uh, you started off by saying you're all humans and we're all providing for our families. That's why we're in this thing called work. So taking that perspective of it. You mentioned a, a key phrase of mine. I live it by it, but it's 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 my purpose is to make an impact. And that's one of the cornerstones of doing HR like a boss. You you mentioned that I think five times on the show. I'll have to do a recap when I or a count when I, when I, when I listen back to the show. You talked about the importance of connecting the people to the strategy of the business and them understanding what their role is in that. Um, also, the idea of, of that, the evaluation of how employees look at, I, I'll call it work, has changed over the years and how have employers adjusted or not. And if you haven't adjusted and you're struggling to find talent, my guess is that that's your issue, is that, is that the marketplace, the, empl- the employee marketplace has changed and how do we adjust to that. You brought up something about the importance of not only focusing on leaders executives in their role today but those emerging managers and emerging leaders so they can get some training before they put their uh, tip their toe in the water so to speak uh, dip their toe in the water so to speak of that hr or that leadership capacity and then um you did you did make this idea or, or talked about this idea of meaningful connections through networking and again i know i i applauded you for that and and you mentioned the fact that you certainly receive more back than you've given throughout your volunteerism and you know my dog jersey made an appearance at the beginning of the show too she she loved to hear your voice so she started to bark at you and uh all the world that's hr like a boss got to listen to that so thank you jersey i applaud that same as well julie you were an awesome guest thank you for being on the show
1: thank you so much john
0: thank you for listening to the hr like a boss podcast if it resonates with you please leave a rating or review Or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.